room in hell. The dead will walk here. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Body Count, the podcast for theblackesteyes.com. My name's Philip, and with me once again is Danny and Scott. And tonight we're going to try our very best to have intelligent conversation about horror movies. And tonight we're going to deal with It Chapter 2. We're going to talk about It Chapter 1 as well, but primarily we're going to discuss It Chapter 2, a 2019 film. Uh, We're just getting around to viewing it, and we're pretty excited to talk about it. Glad you're with us tonight. If this is your first time to Body Count, welcome. We sure are glad that you've joined us. We'd love to hear from you. Join in on the conversation on social media or shoot us an email. Let us know what you think about the podcast. Very glad you're here. And guys, very glad you're here. How are you all doing? Danny, what's going on in Kentucky this week? Everything okay? Yeah, everything going well. Preparing for uh, my daughter's graduation. You know, sort of. It's drive-through, but uh, that'll be coming up this Friday. So do they... Does she receive a diploma as a drive-through kind of situation, or how does it work? We're, uh, she'll actually get out of the car, get her diploma, uh, have a photo session with the uh, superintendent, and then get back in the car. And then they're putting together all of those photos as a graduation video that they're going to post at some point. Gotcha. So does the superintendent have to wear a mask? <laughs> I believe everyone is going to be wearing masks. The family can you know, get out of the car with her and be there to take pictures, but we all have to be wearing masks, and they've limited it to four people in the room. So are you saying that these graduation photos, the superintendent will be wearing a mask? I absolutely do not know for sure. I was wondering about that myself. That would that, be the coolest thing of all time. <laughs> we are told that everyone has to have a mask that is involved in the process. So. Talk about a memorable graduation photo. Tell your children and grandchildren. Here's what was to happening. be honest, I kind of hope they are wearing masks. Oh, it would be amazing. I mean, just, just incredible. I mean, your daughter may not think that, but I think it would be super cool. Scott, what about you, buddy? How's it going? It's going all right. We're out here in Southern California, and I'm still under our COVID-19 lockdown. Um, just trying to figure out how to online teach for the summer and try to think about what I'm going to do with my time as long as we're still under this, uh, you know, our, our movements are, are so restricted. So, I don't know. Life's weird. Yeah. Yeah, I have life. a suggestion. Let's just watch lots of horror movies. <laughs> Let's do it, man. Well, you know, this is like our, what, fourth or fifth week of recording in a row? That sure has been nice, hasn't it? We haven't maintained that kind of consistency since we launched in like 2010 or whatever it was. So that's been nice. Yeah, yeah it really has. I think this might be the fifth well, week. Well, yeah. yeah, man. And, uh, we're still going strong. So, you know, it'd be cool to hear from someone who's listening about a movie you would like for us to review. If you've got something out there that you would like for us to watch and review and give our thoughts on, we would definitely do that. So let us know if there's a movie that you've watched and you say, hey, I wonder what those guys would think about it. We'd be happy to uh, watch that and talk about it on this podcast. It Chapter 2. Most people are aware of the plot summary for It. Uh, It's about a really scary clown named Pennywise, who's not really a clown, really an it, a monster, but 
He scares children uh, by dressing up as a clown, enticing them, and then kills them. And he does this every 27 years, apparently, in the little town of Derry, Maine. And uh, there were a group of friends known as the Losers Club who dealt with this when they were children. And it chapter two is their return to Derry 27 years later, a reluctant return to be certain, in order to do battle one more time with Pennywise and see if they can't put an end to the terrorizing of the town of Derry once and for all. So guys, let's talk about, you know, the first movie, it chapter one. Uh, when I saw it in the theater, I was legitimately scared. I thought it was one of the, the best horror movies of the year. Uh, very effective in terms of storytelling, visual, and then some classic horror movie jump scares as well. I loved everything about the movie, uh, part one. What about you guys? Did you walk away from the first chapter thinking, yeah, that was that definitely lived up to the Stephen King It uh, kind of reputation? Danny, what about you? What did you think about chapter one? I loved chapter one, and I, I really find it so odd that it took me so long to watch chapter two. I'm not sure what the story is there, but uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was like you. Yeah, I thought it was incredibly creepy and scary. I was actually teaching a horror film course at the time, and I took my students because it just happened to come out at the right time. We took a couple of van loads and went and watched it, and it was pretty much universally loved. We had an absolute blast with it. I, you know, I have the same story as well. I just watched it chapter two uh, yesterday, and I'm not sure why that is. Um, I don't, I don't know if the running time originally had something because it's almost three hours. Was it chapter one that long? Does anybody remember? It, it wasn't quite that long. Here. No, it was a little more than two hours, I think. Okay. I, I think no matter how much I love a film, pushing three hours, for me personally, is difficult. It's hard for me to want to watch a three-hour film, even if I love it. Uh, I did enjoy chapter two, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But Scott, for chapter one, what were your, what were your takeaways? Yeah, I, I like you guys. I loved uh, that movie. I, like you said, Philip, I think it was one of the best movies, horror movies of 2017. The the casting was just brilliant. Those it's a lot of kid actors, child actors, and I, most of them I think were fairly unknown. And they just carried it. They did such a great job. It was scary. Uh, Pennywise the clown from the almost the first scene, the first couple of you know few minutes, he when he appears, he's very terrifying. And I yeah, I felt the tension throughout the whole film. The music because uh, it's set in the late '80s, and so you know there were all these Cure you know clips and and uh, you know these '80s hair bands and stuff. There was clips from them throughout, so it was kind of nostalgic for me too. So I yeah, I really liked Chapter One a lot. If I could just piggyback on that word nostalgia there for a second, because something happened to me this past week that created in me a, a sense of amazement. Uh, a sense of almost maybe disgust even. Uh, that's too strong of a word. But here's what happened. We all know the reality of how fast time goes by. There, there's all those little things that we come across from time to time. We see them on the internet. We think of them ourselves and we're like, wow, that was a long time ago. And it seems like just yesterday. But here's what happened to me with my kids. During the COVID-19 crisis and the quarantine, we started doing some things like family movie nights, trying to watch more movies together when otherwise we may not have time to do that. And so I've been wanting my kids to watch E.T., the extraterrestrial, right? Because it's a classic, man. I mean, you have to watch this movie with your children. And I cannot get my kids interested in it. 
and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go through all of the uh, arguments as to why this is an essential film and why it's so good and everything. And I was like, come on, man, this is one of the great films of our day. To which my daughter says, Dad, this film is so old. <laughs> like it's, it, it, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is like classic Steven Spielberg, right? And I was like, what is it? It was like mid-80s or something. So I'm, I, I do the Google search. E.T. was 1982. Okay, that's 38 years ago. <laughs> Now, when, I, when, when E.T. came out and I saw it in the theater, I was young, but I saw it in the theater. I vividly remember I was with my mom because the ending made me cry. Both me and my mom are crying at the end of E.T. The equivalent was 38 years before that, 1944. <laughs> so a 1944 film in 1982 seemed like silent era, right? It almost <laughs> was. I mean, so old, man. And that's what E.T. is for my children does that kind of stuff just blow your all's mind or at this point are you just used to it and you're kind of numb to the whole thing no i, I think it's hilarious and it, so the equivalent would have been your father trying to get you to watch hitchcock's lifeboat that's right and be super excited super about excited it. about it that's right. exactly right now i mean i still think we could have a discussion if it really is fair to compare you know yeah so he's trying to get me to watch that the same as of course, from my position, I'm going to say, no, it's different because E.T. is just E.T., you know, but no, you're right. That's the that's the distinction. So anyway, I'll say all that to say in the original film, it's 1989, right? It Chapter one is 89, somewhere in there, late yes. 80s. And you just you get all of those, like you were saying, Scott, all of those images, the clothes, the hair, um, the, the music, the, the feel, the vibe. For me, that's huge. Same thing with... Um, uh, Stranger Things, the Netflix series that's set in the 80s, the music, the feel, the, the the remembrance of what that time was like. Such an important decade for me. I grew up in the 80s. And so I think Chapter 1 connected with me just in terms of that word, nostalgia, uh, as well. It was very, very important to me. Well, Chapter 2 then. Um, for Let's just give us give a general overview of your, your take on it. Then we can ask the obvious question, which film did you prefer? So, Daniel, as you walk away from Chapter 2, what are your general thoughts? I liked it. I liked it uh, more than I expected to. I, hmm, this is going deeper quicker than I expected to. But uh, if you go back to thinking why I didn't bother watching this one until now, I think that horror works really well sometimes when the main characters are children uh, young people who it's easy to believe that they believe what they're saying right with adults you've the suspension of disbelief is a little harder and i really liked it for the sort of the the point of view that it had with the children and i really wasn't that interested in watching a bunch of messed up adults who were dealing with the fallout from their childhood go back and do the fight uh, on the just at its principle, I was not interested in it. And I actually, for the first 30 or so minutes, I thought, oh no, I don't think I'm going to enjoy it. Once the uh, horror elements really dug in and started, you know, some really cool creature effects and um, the actors are so good in it, I started to feel for the characters. I ended up really liking it a, a lot more than I expected to. I think that's insightful. I hadn't really put that together before for me, but I probably would say I would land there as well. 
there's such an innocence and such a believability about the children in chapter one that you you really resonate with them and, and you understand and uh, they come from broken homes and uh, and you know even watching the adults think back about their childhood those scenes where they're remembering some of the pain and the suffering that they experienced as children those really worked well in that chapter two but it, it was kind of a nod back to the first film but i don't know about you but i enjoyed seeing the flashbacks of chapter two when we get to see the kids and their performances again and those memories so um yeah I, for me i'm not sure why this is i haven't i just watched it last night so i haven't had a whole lot of time to process this but the film was not near as scary for me uh, there were plenty of jump scares plenty of uh, moments when pennywise makes an appearance that should have been scary uh, but to me, it was, it, it was, what's the word I want to say, forecasted. It was, it was obvious that the jump scares were coming. Classic horror movie jump scare kind of stuff when the camera's going to move back and boom, there's going to be that. I mean, you know it's coming if you've watched as many horror movies as we have. At least that was my experience. I was, I was only startled, really startled by one scare. Uh, and I'm watching on a digital device with the, the screen right in front of my face with headphones. So the audio was being pumped straight into my brain. I mean, it's the, yeah, and I was I was laying in my bed in the dark, like I should have been terrified. <laughs> you know, I didn't have space between me and the screen or any of that kind of stuff that gives you a sense of security. You know, it was right in my face, but it was the the Paul Bunyan. Remember when Paul? Paul I get, was it Paul yeah. Bunyan? Is that am I saying that right? Yeah, it when was. he when he um, just shows up, you know, and right in uh, whichever character, well, Richie, I think it was. No, it wasn't Richie. It was. Whoever it was, okay, right in his face. That got me. Uh, but the locker, the school scenes, everything else, it was cool. I didn't have any problem with it. It just didn't scare me. It didn't creep me out like the original did, and I'm not sure why that is. Scott, your take. So <clears throat> I uh, I had I expected to like it more than I did. I really liked the first one. And when I read about the cast that this one had, I really liked I I mean several of them are I'm a huge fan of them and it started out okay for me but and I, and I know we'll talk about specifics as we move along so I won't get too specific but it disappointed me I mean there were there were definitely some strengths and some great things but for me so so I re-watched one last night and then watched two mostly today and so I had them both really fresh in my mind and so for me, two is a letdown um, compared to just having watched one and how much I really enjoyed that. I do have. Yeah, it could be X. I'm oh, sorry. I do have one comment about chapter one. I don't know if we're going to get back to that or, or how much we will. So I just want to make sure I throw this out there. Is that okay, Philip? If, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so there, there, uh, um, I like chapter one, but my criticism, I didn't notice this the first time I saw it a couple of years ago. But rewatching it last night, I noticed how much um, they sexualized Beverly, Bev, the, the one girl who's part of this group of kids. They're middle schoolers, um, and you know, there's like five boys, and she's the one girl. But throughout the movie, she, how, how sexual, it's, it's implicit, you know, but she's flirting with, with um, adult men to you know like at the pharmacy she goes to the pharmacy and she's flirting with the pharmacist in order to distract him in order to steal something and and it was that that it was creepy but in a different way um and there were just a couple of scenes like with her dad he was in you know it kept, it kept implying strongly 
that it was an incestuous relationship. Um, which I, you know, of course you can do that in fiction, but it just seemed like it, there were parts, bits that were unnecessary. So it wasn't, it wasn't like graphic, but there were just implicit moments where I felt they, they sexualized Bev. And I realized that's, that's probably true to King's book, but, but it, it bothered me a little and, and it, I don't remember it bothering me the first time, but it did when I watched it, rewatched it last night. That's part one. Yeah, and it is significantly worse in the novel. I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah I've heard about what that's the novel what I've heard is too. About. I've not read, I've not read the novel, so obviously you haven't either. No, I haven't read it, but I've read about the King novel, and yeah, the, I mean, you know, I don't know if we want to get into it, but what I've read about the King novel is that yes, Bev is much more of a sexualized figure, and you know, in, in, in a very controversial way. But, right. um, but there, you know, it was, uh, there were just a couple of, you know, like when, like when they're swimming in the quarry and the guys are kind of ogling her. Um, I mean, that's, you know, that it's a loss of innocence picture. So there's kind of, that is to be expected. I just thought they did it once too many times, maybe. Yeah. And that it, with the boys beginning to experience those feelings themselves and here's the one girl of the group and all of them are interested in what that means for them and then it's really interesting where the second film goes yeah. with that isn't it in terms of sexuality and what one of the major points of the movie was i think that we'll get to in just a moment um i remember i just want to briefly say about chapter one that one of the most terrifying scenes uh, for me was the library scene and uh so it was um Let's see which character was it? it that's uh, that's Ben. He's the, the overweight kid. Yeah, Ben. It was Ben, and he's flipping through the books, and he's starting to pick pick out Pennywise and some of the photos, which was creepy enough. But in the background, and I've talked to people who've seen the film, and they somehow they didn't notice this, and I don't know how you missed this. But in the background, it's an elderly lady, presumably a librarian, but it may just be a a patron of the library, a elderly lady, and but she's looking right at Ben behind him. So looking at the back of his head and you can tell she's like got her mouth really wide open, smiling and it's horrifying. It's so scary. I almost, I almost had to look away from the screen. It freaked me out so much. So you just rewatched it. Do you remember that scene? And do you, do you remember that lady in the background? yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's, um, there's a lot of great scares. There's not just jump scares, but there's like, just, that's right. Disturbing creepy uh so my problem with chapter two one of my problems and and this may just be my i mean it is it's just my preference i think it goes over the top with the effects whereas in number in number one i i felt like even though it it sounds like it's going to be an over the top kind of picture when you say oh it's a haunted clown or it's an evil clown that's really some other monster but I thought it was understated in a lot of ways, and, and that, to me, was scarier. So, yeah, I, I, I remember the scene, and it is effective. Yeah, I actually hadn't noticed that scene the first time I saw it, unless I'm just forgetting it, but it, it got me last night when I was rewatching. Um, about the scariness, you can go to that first uh, scene where they gather in the, the restaurant mm. when they get back to Derry, and there's the bugs and all the creatures it really first of all those were very you know obviously cg 
they weren't frightening in any way, shape, or they were almost humorous looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of this, the creature effects, including the Paul Bunyan, which you enjoyed, I think came off more as like magic realism or you know a dark fantasy rather than horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the presence of those things made the things that were more horrific less impactful for me though there were a few the um when pennywise's daughter um transforms into the tall old lady thing Mm. and comes out i thought that was really effective um that's probably the most effective thing for me what was uh, beverly when Mm. it came after beverly when she was in her own house uh i thought that was really really a, a pretty creepy uh creation but otherwise i felt like it it really did feel artificial and you know there was a real physicality to the creature effects that that was for me it did was less effective than the ones in the first film i thought that um it, it reminded me and and maybe you guys know these movies better than me but the nightmare on elm street movies seemed like there's two things about chapter two that made me think of nightmare on elm street three things one is the yeah the effects were you know there was so much bizarre um surreal things going on made me think of nightmare on elm street the second thing is the corny humor pennywise is cracking corny jokes and you know i mean he's you know they're, they're not very many it's not as much as freddy krueger came to do in the later sequels but it's there and then thirdly i noticed this um on the marquee of the movie theater in Derry is Nightmare on Elm Street. So I don't know if that was an intentional yeah. connection. That's just what occurred to me. And, and Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, which yeah. was a really awful right. film. <laughs> we get, we talk about Easter eggs in just, just a second. Uh, this is a little bit of a cliched thing to say. I don't think this is always the case, but we've seen so many times. My boy John Carpenter is... is unfortunately example number one of when you give somebody more money a much larger budget then they have all this money to do stuff with but they don't make as effective as a film so the budget for part two was double almost what the budget was for part one and in an interview uh, that i just briefly watched before we started recording director andy i guess you pronounce his name muschietti does that sound right um he was talking about that, how nice it was to have so much money because now he can do more visual effects and uh, things that he was wanting to do, but it actually worked against him, I think. Uh, the, you know, did you want, do you remember the trailer to It Chapter 2? The, the whole trailer was the scene where... Um, I mean, why am I forgetting? Bev goes to back to her home and she sits down with the creepy old lady and there's just that really awkward conversation that takes place like that's the kind of feeling of uneasiness where your palms begin to sweat a little bit that i was looking for more throughout the film that felt like it chapter one to me just that incredibly awkward thing there wasn't enough of that uh, a reliance too much on what i consider to be just more traditional scares that were not effective for the film any other comments about that those distinctions between first and second and uh, the scares no i'm good exhausted those yeah so let's talk about some easter eggs obviously we just don't want to go through all the easter eggs there's a million websites you can go to that'll just list those for you so that wouldn't be very fun for us to do but uh there is one that 
uh, I mean, Danny, I'm going to assume that you got this really quick. And Scott, I don't know how big of a Carpenter fan you are, but there is the most unbelievable Easter egg. Now, it's not even yeah. an Easter egg. It's just a flat-out tribute to the I thing, John Carpenter's. The, yeah. Did you get it? Yeah. Uh, not only does the creature, it just looks like the scene from the thing. I mean, with the head and the legs coming out of the head, but then, of course, he delivers the unbelievably classic line from the thing. Uh, I mean, my head snapped back so fast uh, <laughs> when, that, when, when that happened. So that was really really special to me what else did you guys notice uh anything else that you you noticed that was kind of uh uh important to you or kind of made you chuckle no actually i not so much i'm sure there were a ton that i noticed as they were happening but uh nothing that jumps out the the head i was going to talk about if when you mentioned easter eggs but the uh i can't think of anything else well i I, and maybe i'm did you notice when the so we talked about we talked about Bev in her old house, you know, the grown-up Bev visiting her apartment from as a child, and there's this old woman living there who's creepy, and it's that creepy scene, and then she emerges as this monstrous um, hag. But um, in part of Bev's sort of experience there, didn't she get a glimpse of this hag's father? She because this old woman had said that my father used to work for the circus and there was a picture on the wall did and then they show him and then he transforms puts makeup on and becomes pennywise um yeah. didn't you think he looked like jack nicholson through through all that and so i'm thinking that that's what occurred to me in in the shining and then there is a moment where here's johnny with the face coming through the clo- you know half closed door so i i thought there might have been some allusions to the shining there yeah, it absolutely looks just like Jack Nicholson on that photo, but uh, I don't know for sure. Well, we could start a conspiracy theory on YouTube how Kubrick knew about Pennywise, and <laughs> 40 years later it was going to be revealed that actually Jack Nicholson is a clown. Yeah. So there it is. <laughs> Have you watched those all those uh, films on YouTube about what The Shining is really about and what Kubrick was getting at? Have you yeah, I watched the uh, documentary about it What's what is that room 242? Yeah. 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 It's pretty yeah. wild. Yeah. No, I noticed that uh, as well. Uh, when they're in the arcade on the back wall, there is a, you've got mail right. poster star starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Mm-hmm. Right. And at the beginning of the film, um, the, the, the very troubling scene, um, Adrian talks about, I like your Meg Ryan wig or, or Meg Ryan wants her wig back. <laughs> Right, so there's a there's a connection there for some reason for Meg Ryan. I don't know what it is, but Meg Ryan was throughout the, the film for some <laughs> yeah, reason. Oh, funny. I'd like to talk about the beginning of the movie for a second, and then Richie's character, um, and what certainly can, seems to be uh, a a theme concerning itself with sexuality, obviously in the first movie, you've already talked a little bit about that. And then in this movie, and in this movie, of course, uh, homosexuality is, is on display. The first scene being not subtle at all. You can't be more in your face than what we experienced in the first scene of the film, a very, very difficult scene to watch. And there's two questions I want to ask about the first scene. Uh, the first question is somewhat of a, 
practical logistical question, and that is, who were these guys that killed this poor boy, and did anything happen to them? Like, is this... Was that just really strange and unrealistic? Like, the other... The boyfriend lives, apparently. Or did, did something happen to him? Did, did Pennywise get him, too? I don't know. But, like, they basically kill the guy, throw him over a bridge, and then just run away. And are we just to say, oh, well, this kind of thing just happens in Derry? I mean, like, where's... The, what's going to happen in that situation? <laughs> or maybe it doesn't even matter. But... When I watch a scene like that, I want to know, is the film going to ground itself in any kind of realism at all? Like, something has to happen. You know, like, we never hear about Adrian again the rest of the movie, I don't think. There's not missing posters. Or or maybe since it was the 27th year and Pennywise and there's so many missing children, he just gets lumped in with everyone else. I don't know. But, Scott, do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Or yeah, that I mean, it doesn't. Se- that scene doesn't, uh, other than giving the filmmaker an opportunity to reintroduce Pennywise. Okay. Cause he does appear in it and it's, and it's horrible when he kills that, that, uh, Adrian who, so they beat him up. These, these, um, uh, uh, bullies beat up this. There's a couple of, uh, you know, guys who are gay, who are at a, at a festival of some kind and a bunch of bullies beat, beat, beat them both up, but really, go after the one guy and throw him off a bridge. Pennywise is there, kind of rescues him and then eats his heart out. So I kind of thought of that scene. No, I don't think there's any allusion or reference to either of those characters again. I, I think it's just a way and a preface to to reintroduce Pennywise after 27 years. That's, that's how I took it. Yeah. Danny, what's your take on the opening scene? I, th- I think if what they were trying to establish is that, you know, sort of this dark history of da- dairy uh, or this dark presence under dairy brings out the worst in the community also. So there were there were atrocities happening that weren't necessarily directly related to Pennywise. I feel like that one scene isn't enough. Uh, it, it really seemed disconnected and unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it didn't feel like it. it sewed the two films together the way it needed to. Yeah. And that's interesting because you, you know, the devil made me do it. So is Pennywise responsible for all of the carnage or is the city kind of just turning on itself as it were? It is interesting though, Scott, you mentioned the other guy did not receive as much of a beating as Adrian did. And the other guy um, was from Derry, right? Adrian was an outsider. And for some reason, he gets the brunt of the abuse uh, more so than the other gentleman. But so it sounds to me, though, like neither of you are thinking that the the in your face explicit reference to this homosexual couple. uh, And and then we bring in Richie later in the film, someone who... uh, there's certainly undertones throughout the movie that he also is wrestling. Well, I mean, his flashback to and when he's in the arcades is a clear picture. And then uh, there's other instances as well. So you guys aren't making a connection that the director is setting us up here for uh, an underlying theme that he wants to address in the film. You, you guys aren't seeing that in the first scene. I don't think so, but I will. There could be a connection there, right? That it, it, in this sort of era, it seems difficult to uh, 
to look at uh, the Bill H- Richie's character and sort of justify that being closeted really has caused all these problems in a modern film. It's a little harder to buy into that. So if you establish that this small town is so, you know, backwards and, and uh, bigoted that that would be a reason enough for him to continue to sort of hide himself through his adulthood. Um, maybe it makes more sense. Maybe that was just a way to underline the theme that's going on with Richie. But I don't know if as a whole, it's an underlying theme for the film. You have a take, Scott? I mean, uh, you know, as you guys were talking about it, I was thinking maybe, maybe, okay. So, I mean, that's, that's plausible that, uh, that the fact that these two guys, um, this couple that are attacked are, are gay that that might just sort of introduce the thought into the viewer's mind so that later when we uh, learn a little bit more or at least the implications are that Richie is too so yeah that's I mean it's kind of a thread it's it's a little bit of a thread um yeah I don't I don't know if there's much more to 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 get out of that frankly well here here's the, the one reason that I think there may be a little bit more there uh, is is the end of the film. So to me, the film portrays this interesting combination of both the necessity of unity, of camaraderie, of friendship, being together. Obviously, that's how you're going to defeat Pennywise. But the film also portrays this necessity of being true to yourself, mm-hmm. which is somewhat of an individualistic kind of spirit. And at the end, when they're reading the letter, the letter is being narrated by, you know, Stanley's letter. It, it's, <laughs> I, can't, I can't help but have thought of this as I was listening to it. it. It felt like Disney. It felt like this, you be you. Be yourself. Like, only you can be you, and you just have to go do who you are and follow your dreams. And, and that seemed like a message to Richie, and coming back to the beginning of the film is Cindy Lauper said it best in the 80s, right? Show your true colors and be who you really are. So with the beginning violence against the homosexual company, the tension of Richie's character throughout, and then this strong ending letter of be yourself, that's, where, that's how I could see this potentially tying in some. Any comment on that? You've, you've, I mean, you make a very persuasive case about it. I think you're I think you're probably right because it is there is that I noticed this too you know be true to yourself um even even this um which comes up several times this idea that if you believe something it's real if you don't believe it it's not real or you know so they say it's not real it's not real when when effects and things are happening to them and then it goes away or or you know when when Bev hands Eddie the the spike and she says it's a monster killer if you believe you know I mean there's that sort of is I think maybe a related related thought that that comes in but I don't know I mean you you make a persuasive case Philip yeah so you know I don't know if this movie has anything any social commentary that that they were trying to get out of but I that's what I picked up on that's what I saw so you take that or leave it let's talk about the ritual of was it chewed Chud, chewed. Do you remember how they pronounced it? They pronounced it chewed, but there's another uh, horror mm-hmm. reference. That sure is, isn't it? <laughs> oh gosh, a great film. Um, 
So what about this ritual? You know, they kind of are working toward it the whole movie. We got to get to the cavern. We've got to get to where Pennywise is, his original form, do the ritual. It's the only way we're going to be able to defeat him. And yeah, no, they just get made fun of after the ritual. So I, I have some ideas about what the ritual is all about, but let me hear from you guys. Danny, what what did you think about the ritual? Did it add to the film? Was it important? Was it meaningless? What did you think? Well, obviously, in the end, it's kind of meaningless, uh, though it may be commentary on something. But I was so disappointed to hear the whole, hey, we've got this Native American ritual to do. And I just, it felt so tropey and cliche. And uh, if that was going to be how they take out it it was going to be incredibly disappointing i actually was kind of happy with how it did turn out but the whole uh, ancient ritual of chud thing was i, th- I thought it was pretty ridiculous yeah, yeah what do you think, Scott? I, I have to agree i actually wrote in my notes as i was taking notes dur- during watching it native american ritual colon trope <laughs> because it, it it seemed kind of corny and and Stephen King has done this before. I mean, with Pet Cemetery, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and you know, Poltergeist with Steven Spielberg. There's the the idea that your Native American spirituality it just seemed like an easy out, and then it didn't really make sense because he somehow Michael, who's the one part of the of the Losers Club who stays in Derry and grows up there, you know, he he learns about this ritual and he. You know, tells them, well, you've got to go and get some artifact from your past that's meaningful to you, and we'll burn that. And 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 um, he talks about, you know, letting the darkness put out the light. To me, it just seemed like so much mumbo jumbo, and it didn't really add anything. And I thought it was, yeah, I I, I thought it was ridiculous too. It was my most significant problem with the film because I felt like the ritual of Chude was there just in order to allow the movie to exist because they have to go get their artifact to sacrifice. And that's where you get to see more scares take place and a little bit more of those flashbacks and those kinds of things. Some of those scenes were effective, but it's like the ritual had to be there in order to make up some excuse as to why they had to separate and get to where they're going. So I thought it was largely pointless. And then, as Danny says, of course, it doesn't work. It seems like they did everything as they were supposed to do. And it was pointless. So what was the point then? I think I could, uh, it seems to me that the only reason is what I said earlier concerning uh, this ideal of unity, a a spirit of togetherness, of camaraderie. It seems like the ritual, the only point was to make sure they were unified together because that's the only way they're going to defeat Pennywise. And so if there's some external cheese ball, Native American, you know, seance-y kind of thing that will cause them to come together and believe and be one voice, well, okay, then maybe they have a, a fighting chance at defeating Pennywise. But there's obviously no magic underneath that. It, was, it, it wasn't it was going to in and of itself. Well, work. and Michael knew it, right? I mean, he, he lied. He, 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 he knew because the vision that he'd seen when he was, you know, smoking herbs with the Native Americans was that when they did this ritual, uh, this cosmic monster, the it killed them killed all the native americans and so michael knew it wasn't going to work he lied to them they even yell at him you you know you, why'd you lie to us but he thought that yes you know the power of unity the power of we of belief would be able to overcome him and yeah i, I thought that was 
that was disappointing. I didn't I, I didn't I didn't really like the fact that Michael was being um, deceitful about that whole thing. And it, and and it seemed like it was a bait and switch. They, they led the viewer up to thinking and then, oh, oh, no, he knew it wouldn't work. And, and, and it didn't. One of the biggest criticisms of the original miniseries, the television miniseries of it, was that the payoff was horrible. You know, we see the it creature, the visual effects uh, just did not deliver. Of course, this was on a made-for-TV budget. And then the kids basically go over and start kicking this giant spider, and they kill it, and that's the end, and this major letdown. Um, you said that the ending, you thought that it ended up salvaging itself a little bit Danny and so definitely want to talk about that but for me it chapter two didn't really deliver all that much either in terms of the ending and I've been thinking about why I thought that and there's a couple of reasons first isn't it fair to say that the primary way that they end up defeating Pennywise is just by yelling at him and telling him that they're not scared and that he's nothing and he's just an old person and he's worn out and enough of them, I guess they're unified and they believe and they're yelling enough mean things at him that he all of a sudden gets really small and they rip his heart out and squeeze it. And that's that. I, I mean, okay, but couldn't they have done that a long time ago? I mean, weren't they unified enough at different points that maybe they could have just done that I, I don't know i you seem to like it a little bit more what did you see there that i'm missing danny with the ending let's be fair i like the ending more than i would have if if the native american mm-hmm. ritual okay okay that's fair uh i no, the, the ending is still really weak uh definitely not as weak as the miniseries uh and them you know kicking a badly animated spider to death but um the uh i i I think that the reason they were able to do it at the end, I think the plot connection there is is because the weapon had worked, because disbelieving earlier had worked. They sort of built the understanding of how they could do this. Uh, it's still pretty weak, let's be honest. That's it, 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 I thought it visually played out really nicely, um, and I liked the, the, the disempowered Pennywise blobby thing that they eventually squeeze the heart out of. I thought that was just a pretty neat visual. Uh, But, you know, I'm not going to fight for this ending too strongly. Yeah, you know, one of the reasons that Marvel Comics became, in many ways, the most popular comic book franchise company is because people got tired of the idea of Superman. You know, DC comes out with Superman, who's still arguably the most important and most favorite comic book character, but how do you kill Superman? They they created this kryptonite thing to try to uh, enable some kind of weakness, but the guy can do anything. I mean, he can fly around the planet in reverse time. Nothing can kill him. Nothing can stop him. Bullets can't hurt him. I mean, he's super strong. He, he's basically a god, you know? And right from the beginning, you have a major problem with Superman. He's boring because he's too strong. So here comes the Marvel uh, characters who are incredibly flawed and broken and have weaknesses, have psychological trauma. Uh, They're not invincible. That's much more interesting. That's much more appealing, right? One of the reasons the Dark Knight series of Batman was so popular is because it showed the broken side of Batman. And people love that. They love to see that. I don't think there's any way to come to an end of an It movie and make it work. 
because at some point then something's going to be a letdown. We've seen him do all of these unbelievable things. And then at the end, what do you, what really are you going to do? Well, you're left with yelling at him. You know, what you, the movie really comes down to this. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Well, it shows you that's a lie. Words can hurt you. And so it's a movie for our four-year-olds. No, I'm just kidding. We should watch four-year-olds watch. Isn't it, I can't, isn't it ironic, too, that um, the character Bill, sort of the leader, the one who stammers when he talks, he grows up, he becomes a novelist and a screenwriter. And throughout the movie, they're talking, about, oh, your novel was really great, but I hated the ending. And... And we're kind of saying, I think we're kind of saying the same yeah. thing about this, right? I mean, it's like, hey, it's so strong, but, you know, the ending really is is, is, is pretty weak. So uh, that's kind of funny. That, I, I, Danny, Danny, go ahead. Scott. You were going to say something, too? I just, I can't imagine that there are many people watching this that weren't thinking at some point, why does Pennywise just not kill him? Right. There were so many opportunities they should not have survived even to make it to any kind of ceremony. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And I have a, this problem with movies when it just seems to be randomly making up stuff and doesn't follow their own rules. One of the problems I have with the Harry Potter franchise, which I love, I'm a Potter fan, so no problems here. But one of the things that bugs me is it seems like every movie we get introduced to a new power, a new spell, a new thing, a new object, that if they would have had that in the previous movie, the movie would have lasted about six seconds because all they would have to do is use the object that's in the next movie to win in the previous you know, Why didn't they just go get that in the... And so at the end of the movie, when Pennywise has turned into the large creature-like thing and he's got tentacles going everywhere, why does his tentacle stop five feet from where the guys are? Like... All this stuff he has done that he can transcend space and time and the caverns and he can turn into Paul Bunyan and he can, but his tentacle can't go five more feet to, to latch onto the, that kind of stuff drives me crazy, you know, and, and there's, it, it, it's just the reality probably of this kind of genre, but, uh, oh man, that, that bugs me. You know what I mean? Totally. I agree a hundred percent. Hey, I have a question so. maybe you guys can help me with, too, uh, about both movies. But I really noticed it with the first. Well, it's mainly the first movie. Why are the adults, why, why are the adults all so creepy? The, all the parents, they're all so messed up or weird and dark and, uh, you know, bizarre. And, and they don't really know that this is happening. I, I guess that they, they forget, right? I mean, that the 27 years elapses and, and with... At least the guys who moved away forgot. But at least in the first movie, I just kept thinking, why are the, all the adults just so um, unaware? I, I don't know if there's an answer to that. Yeah, I don't know if there's an answer either, but they were pretty ridiculous. Um, what's his name's mother? Eddie. Who mm. was, you know, uh, yeah, Munchausen by proxy right. or whatever. And uh, the, you know, the father that was a molester. Yeah, it was... It, it's actually a, this movie reminds you so much it's hard not to think of stranger things while you're watching and there's even an actor that's in both yeah. and one of the things i really like about stranger things is the parents are for the most part you know good people hmm. right? they care about their kids they are you know they're they're not creepy uh, until obviously the mind flayer starts doing his thing in the, the third season but uh this it stands out 
when you compare it to this, the, there's just there are almost no adults that aren't ridiculous. The pharmacists, the just like, and actually most of the other children also. True. Yeah. Almost They're everyone bullies. that that is a part of the losers is a terrible human being. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, faith-wide, there seems to be very little in the film connected to. Uh, any kind of Christian theme, because even when, you know, I try to find it in any movie, what's something that I can pull out that definitely is not there uh, in terms of authorial intent, but find it anyway. Man, there's not a whole lot here, but there is, Scott, a Jewish scene yeah, a, uh, in a synagogue, um, a, a, a coming of age, I guess it's a, I need my terminology, it's more like, is it like yeah, a bar mitzvah it kind it of thing? Wait, yeah. Uh, is there any significance to that? Is there because he in the middle of it he basically denounces it right I'm a loser forever and uh, again just thinking about these themes of sexuality and uh, is there any overlap does that faith scene have anything to add or say or is is it just another way to see uh, the history of these children and you know the progression they've made what'd you take away I, from I, did, that? I don't know that the the bar mitzvah scene really had much impact for me but I did notice in the first chapter. There, it was just a, a second, but there's a time when I think it's Eddie who's walking home and he's the hypochondriac. And before he and he's, you know, he's confronted with Pennywise in the form of this leper. Right. But before that, he's walking through the town and he passes a church and you can hear people singing inside the church. I, I, that was a mm. detail. I'm sure it didn't mean much, but I just, I, you know, I thought it was interesting. But for me, I'm like you. I, I try to find, well, what kind of philosophical or worldview or faith-oriented uh, images or impressions do I get from a picture like this? And horror movies are great for that often. But I, the thing I can't get away from is, is that they're called the Losers Club, and they win. You know, I mean, that's, that to me is a, is a, a very understated... Um, sort of Christian element, you know, that it's mm. through weakness that we are strong. It is death brings life. And so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not sure if King had that in mind, although King in his books often has Christian illusions. That's, I mean, he gets criticized for it. I don't know what his personal yeah. beliefs are, but he does, he does bring it in in this as a storytelling technique. Um, so I don't know. Losers club who are the conquerors. Maybe that's something. That's good. Hey man, that's that's really good. I hadn't thought about that. I, in Stranger Things, it's so obvious, isn't it? Because it's the upside yeah. down, and that's the kingdom. So so Christ comes in and he ushers in the good news, the proclamation that the kingdom has arrived. But it's an upside down kingdom. This kingdom is not conquered through violence. It's conquered through sacrifice. This kingdom is about becoming last instead of becoming first. This kingdom is about allowing yourself to be hit instead of hitting. It's about giving away what you have. And it's totally upside down from what we understand uh, in terms of political proclamations and kingship and how things are won. Uh, the kingdom that Christ offers looks nothing like that. So for Stranger Things, I, uh, it's so easy to see that. And for some reason that the losers won in it too. I, I just totally blanked on that. So way to go, All man. Right. That's great. Cool. Yeah. Danny, why anything to add there? Anything? Actually, uh, I, I was starting to think I might be the the strange episode where I'm the one that was noticing this stuff. But uh, the uh, I was bothered at first that uh, that uh, well, gosh, what was his name? The the Jewish Stanley. character 
yeah. Stanley? Stanley. That Stanley was the one that, so the one religious character was the one that didn't have the strength to go mm, back. Right. right. He was, ended up being the, the weakest of the mm. characters. But we find out, you know, from his letter at the end, it, it overturns that. But for the, the length of that film up until that letter, I was thinking that surely you guys were going to mention that. Yeah. That we take our one religious character and he's he's the one too weak to come back and face Pennywise. Uh, so, again, yeah, it turns so, out to be a strength. Yeah, yeah. But well, because because he sacrificed himself. Yeah, right. So it turns out great, uh, or it turns out a, a positive view of, of his beliefs. But uh, it felt very much a negative view for the whole movie to be. So he believed. Yeah. So from the letter, the 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 lesson is that he believed that he would. He wouldn't be able to do it. He he would they would fail if he was there. So the way that he right. gave them victory was by taking himself out of the picture before they came together. Is that is that right? Yeah, gotcha. yeah. He, he had the chess analogy. Just took his piece off the board. Right. So obviously that that analogy is going to fail when it comes to what we understand in terms of Christian sacrifice. It's not that. Yeah. The, right, Christ doesn't win the victory because he removes himself from the picture. It's just the opposite. He brings himself into the picture, but he does that through sacrifice. But no, 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 that's, a, again, that's a beautiful, that the one religious character was the one who didn't come, but then ends up taking his life so that the others might have a chance. That's that's great, Danny. Very good, man. Awesome. So I think maybe there's more here than I originally thought. That's always exciting yeah. for me. Well, uh, we're pushing on an hour here. Let me just... See if there's anything else you guys had jotted down or want to talk about. Anything you guys have that we haven't talked about yet? I would just say we've commented on, on in both films, or at least I did, and I think you guys kind of did too, that we thought the cast casting was pretty strong. But I want to just highlight out of that cast Bill Skarsgård, who played Pennywise. For me, hmm. I think, you know, I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of effects and everything, but the voice and the, the facial, you know, the kind of keeping his face sort of, you know, pointed down and just the whole demeanor, whatever, whatever he as an actor brought to that, I think was super powerful. Yeah, I'll agree. And I will uh, once again, reiterate that I really need more physical elements to the special effects in horror films. I, I feel, you know, the traditional, the, the traditional effects, need to be a huge part of it. And, and they may have been here, but it was just so obvious when things were fully you know, generated inside a computer. It felt very video gamey, and that immediately is going to keep me from being afraid. Right? If there's not a physical threat to the actors on the screen, it's just never going to work as well for me. And, and I think part one, it didn't feel as bad, but part two, it felt like they had thrown the kitchen sink of special effects out there, and it just... It took me out of it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Pennywise has been portrayed by mm-hmm. two incredible actors, Tim Curry in the 1990 miniseries and then um, Bill. I think say it's Scars- 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 or something close to that. Yeah, Scars- Scars- yeah in, in these films. That's uh, great portrayals. Uh, another Easter egg, we are talking about those earlier, is that Tim Curry's portrayal of Pennywise, his outfit and the, his hair and stuff, do you remember the funhouse scene when he runs into the funhouse in order to save the little boy and he ends up getting caught in the mirror maze, which is a really horrifying mm-hmm. scene. Uh, do you remember the, the room with all of the clowns that keep bumping into him? 
yeah. and everything. Uh, if you go back and look, those clowns are dressed like the 1990 Tim Curry, <laughs> wow. Pennywise. Didn't yeah. So a little Easter yeah. egg there, but it's just yeah. kind of neat. Included that. Cool stuff. So on YouTube, you can let's cl- let's close with this. Uh, on YouTube, we can debate who's better, Tim Curry or or Bill, but. Uh, on YouTube, you can watch the back and back of uh, Chapter One, the sewer scene, the classic, iconic sewer scene with with Curry doing his, and then uh, 2017, it doing uh, his, Bill Skarsgård. Uh, you should go back and rewatch that if you haven't seen Tim Curry's recently. Have either of you, by chance, tracked down Tim Curry's portrayal of that on YouTube in the last little bit, year or whatever? No, yeah. definitely not. I actually haven't watched that probably in a decade you should really go watch it because they, they approach the scene very very differently um with Skarsgård's character being a, more menacing definitely scary uh, of course the the actual kill is more visually uh frightening uh but tim almost has this um like he is turned on by the whole experience at one point the the kid georgie goes um do they float asking about the balloons you know and tim gray <laughs> tim goes oh yes oh yeah they float <laughs> like he's almost it's almost like almost like an erotic kind of response like he's so moved by the fact that georgie is so close to him it's such an amazing performance so even though I, I'm not too much in trying to compare which do I like better of the clowns, in that scene, Curry brings something that's unbelievably creepy uh, and not quite as menacing as uh, Skarsgård's character. I, do either of you want to comment on the? Do you have you watched that? You probably haven't seen the miniseries in a hundred years, right? So no, you, it's uh, but I, I will say that that opening, the opening of the movie, is very effective. That the sewer, the, the sewer scene to start. Uh, you know, where, where Georgie is taken, it works in the movie. So I, I'd be interested in seeing how well it works in the miniseries. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really good. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, Body Count, the podcast for the blackest eyes, discussing it, chapter two. Uh, please let us know what you think and what you saw that we didn't, and we would love to hear from you. And if you have a movie you want us to review, let us know that as well, and we'll be sure to track that down and give it a give it a try. Uh, so on behalf of Danny and Scott and theblackesteyes.com, we say thank you, be safe, stay care- scared, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>